So I'm not mentioning the pre-pod, but why not? Because then you get stage fright. Remember, oh, yeah, so yeah. we're not just repeating the same of course, jokes. Sorry, God Almighty. We're only on podcast number six, and we've run out of jokes already. I've got no, li- I've got no tea, nothing to slurp, no, and your new uh, fancy microphone set up. I will be sounding very smooth in this section of the pod, but in the main section, which we're about to describe when we come to it, I'll be sounding pretty ropey because I was on the old head, the old mic- uh, earphones yeah. things. Yes, you will, and you know I think that that yeah. but that is the essence of what makes our podcast three stars. <laughs> yeah, but yes. now, you all know that Chris doesn't have his strap, or no, he does have his strap-on microphone. Strap on. This is a strap-on, <laughs> fully fixed with, and I've got a ah oh, fuck I forgot pop what it's shield. What's it called? I've got a pop shield. Get it right up you. Pop shield. Pop yeah. goes the weasel. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> Make it stop, please, Stuart. <laughs> Just introduce I am the client. Microphone. <laughs> Welcome to the Good Roundup. The Good is a brand consultancy based in the UK. The three of us get together to talk about nonsense and how badly Chris's sound is, but we don't have that excuse anymore. So this week, it. Uh, Occasionally we talk about brand as well. Yeah, we're we? talking about brand, but we're not talking about. Well, we are, but not so much. We're talking. We're not talking about Corona. We're done with Corona and how it's affecting the business. Because what's Corona? It's a virus. It's a, there was a joke about it. It's gone viral. Don't, don't. Stop. It. Stop. <laughs> what? The jo- <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So we thought that to spice it up a little bit, that we would talk to somebody, Chris. Who are we going to talk to today? So this gentleman, when Keith and I set up the agency and were frog-marched out of 999 with cardboard boxes, we went to the pub and tried to work out how we were going to start a business. Keith was Keith was more worried about what car he was going to be driving. I was trying to get the business in, right? Anyway, the phone rang and it was Chris George. At the time, he was at Siemens or Siemens Mobile. And he gave us a job. It was, and it was so he gave us our first brief and it's on that you know that Starbucks napkin I've got up in the office which was the first brief that's the brief that I took the details of the call that I took with Chris were our very first calls Chris George has been an, a client on and off for a while and uh, now in his current role he's a client again and his title is marketing director for UK and Ireland for Electrolux Chris welcome how are you coping in, the, in these Locked down times. I'm, I'm getting through by listening to the good podcasts, mainly. It's keeping the spirits high. <laughs> so you're the one. I, I am the one. The one of six. <laughs> I see. And, and you've rated it. You've given it the five stars, haven't you? No, I, I followed Stuart's instructions and gave it three. That's all it's worth. <laughs> Until I'm on it. Now it's five stars. You've gone full five stars. Well, you're... <laughs> well, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Well, thank you for having me. We had a crazy idea that we wanted to broaden the church and talk to a few different people, ideally clients, and you are one, to have a little chat with us and talk about things maybe other than the COVID crisis, although by definition and what we're living through, that's going to feature. But in a desperate attempt to leverage our name into a question, <laughs> um, we wanted to ask... <laughs> You guys, or some of our clients, what good 
do you think will come out of this crisis from your business's perspective or your brand's perspective or whatever? What is there anything that you can say is a positive? Oh, it's a stretching question. Um, positives. I think that um, from a business point of view, I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of positives anytime soon. I think that what I'm kind of grateful for is the recognition of leadership coming out at times like this, because I think that, you know, it's it's one thing to look at whether marketing budgets are cut and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm really grateful that within Electrolux, our CEO, uh, Jonas Samuelson, came out very quickly and said, you know, what we want to do is to support staff through this. We want to preserve jobs as much as we can, support people through this. And we've been able to bring that through into the, the local cluster as well. So, you know, I, I was very happy to be going to my staff and saying, look, you know, things like furlough will happen, but it's all, everything we're doing in terms of cutting marketing budgets, how we're going to run the business over the next few months is all about making sure that we preserve the business and that we support staff and preserve jobs as much as we possibly can, not knowing how long it's going to go on for. So um, that... That to me was a real moment in that you know, my belief that within this, one of, the, one of the real things that will stand out will be leadership, what people do, how people act. Because ultimately, you know, pressure, crisis, it brings out the best and the worst in people. And I think we've already seen lots of examples within different industries and different companies of people who have risen to the COVID challenge and people who are just not behaving the way that you would want the company that you work for to, to behave. So I'm I'm very grateful that you know we we've got that sort of leadership we've got people that care and we that allows us to be caring for the people that we work with and I think as we go through the crazy times and as we try and figure out what it is our response should be it's great to know that you have that basis that foundation of being part of a company an organization that wants to do good and that wants to do right by its people. So I think that is something that that comes out as a, a mark of success, certainly for the company that, that I'm working for. Is that very much a kind of a Swedish cultural thing, or is it is it broader than that? I think there's there's an aspect of of that within it, but I think it's it's also a mark of just the way that the companies run, the type of people that we have in in leadership positions there, um, and and you know. I think that leadership stands out because there are natural leaders within any business and hopefully you would expect them to, to rise to the top. But I think that we've also done a lot of work, certainly within the UK, to try and develop leadership and to think more about what leadership is. And one great thing about COVID is that it's giving us a lot of time and space to be in the moment and think about what it is we are, what it is we're supposed to do as leaders within business, within marketing. There's lots of opportunities for us to do good things, not because we have to, but because we want to. You know, we've seen companies that are offering support, offering you know bargains to to NHS staff, which is something that, that we are going to be involved in as well, uh, and trying to do the right thing. And really, that's that's kind of at the core of leadership. But it's not something that everyone naturally has. It's something you have to work on. And within the business, we invest a lot of time and effort in trying to make sure that people understand behaviours that are expected, but then living up to it as well, which is it's kind of the tough part. How about the... Uh, when we spoke right at the beginning, I remember meeting you when we, were, we were in London, and you talked about the fact right at the beginning that sales were 
were pretty strong <laughs> at the beginning of the crisis. How's that played out? Can you explain that or talk a little bit about that? I know that whether that's continued. Yeah, or I what? think it was it was a bit of a surprise. You know, we we've obviously seen it coming, um, and because we're we're connected into a big European corporation, we we've been keeping an eye on what's been happening within Italy and France and Spain as it's kind of crept west across Europe, and. Uh, in some clusters, in some countries, they, they don't have uh, as sophisticated an online business as we have in the UK. So we've seen business dropping off quite severely in some places, uh, Italy especially. So we weren't quite sure what to expect when it came through. I think that for the first couple of weeks, we saw quite dramatic rises in certain categories, uh, particularly around refrigeration as people were bulk buying and storing their toilet rolls um, and uh, and things like chest freezers were just flying out the door. We couldn't get our hands on them fast enough. So I think that the, the really agile businesses and, you know, not wishing to name drop, but the likes of, uh, of AO Appliances Online, they were one that was uh, very quick to respond to the opportunity and scale up in areas where they, they felt that they could take advantage of, uh, of you know, random opportunities coming through as a result of the, of the COVID crisis. And I think, you know, other retailers are following suit and uh, looking at what's going on and just trying to lean into opportunities as they come through. Because ultimately, you know, the, the market that we have is, is broadly shut down. So there are, there are a few opportunities for us to continue trading, but where they are there, you know, we're seeing some, some innovations and people trying different things, working hard just to, to keep the machine going. So when we get to that phase and we start ramping things up again, then it's going to be there. But I think you know, we, are, we are in some ways slightly blessed with the fact that we've got a really good online infrastructure in the UK. We've got really good delivery infrastructure in the UK. So we're, we're still seeing you know, those, those little spikes in demand, depending on what's happening in market, but there's, there's still volume going through the system, which is helping us. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw, um been watching quite a lot of TV. I think everyone probably has, but I've been watching, uh, Currys have been at it on the TV, advertising all the time at the moment. Have you mm. noticed that? Have you, are they trying to get ahead of the game? or? Well, you know, I think that if you look at someone like Mark Ritson, you know, he's, he's very much an advocate of... Uh, continuing to invest in building your brand during hard times. Um, and mainly that's driven through recession, uh, which is a bit more systemic than what we're facing at the moment. So I think there's a lot to be said if you've got a, a relevant offer. And, you know, <laughs> I have to put my hands up. We we had an automated social media post that went out really within a couple of days of the, of the crisis <laughs> starting that was related to refrigeration. And we got, we got lots of negative feedback online saying, oh, you're trying to profiteer and take advantage of, you know, people going out and bulk buying, you're, you're feeding the machine. And it, it happened to be an unfortunate circumstance and it, it, was, uh, it was all pre-automated. It just happened to come through at that time. And we took it down, but there is that sense that, you know, consumers aren't daft. And when they see people that are trying to be disingenuous in market, then they'll pick up on that and they'll, uh, they won't miss and hit the wall when they're feeding back on that. So I think that the, the brands that are, are smart are the ones that are adapting their message and they're trying to, to make an appeal on a basis that they're, they're trying to be genuine and useful. They've got something to offer people, whether that's frontline staff and prioritizing them or just making consumers' lives easier by continuing to be able to provide a service or provide deliveries at a time when everyone's going through a, a really mm. tough time. 
I was just going to ask a question about and something not specifically brand related, but you touched on it at the start when you were talking about kind of leadership throughout the organisation. And something we've obviously as a small business spent a lot of time talking about is the challenge of working from home and staying connected with the team and using things like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all that. I'd be interested to hear from you, obviously working in a, in a European or global organisation, what does changes have you put in place or what are the things that you're doing to kind of retain that connection on a day-to-day week-to-week basis with the team either locally and across the markets yeah it's it's kind of been quite funny i think the frequency has actually gone up significantly i i think to begin with we kind of believed that we follow the same pattern of communication with our teams or with our our european colleagues as we went through it but actually what we found is that we're, we're using the platforms in a way to be a bit more brief and to have a a greater cadence of meetings on a more mm. regular basis, but keep it short and sweet because what, what's tending to happen at the moment from in terms of information cascades is that there's a lot happening and it's quite intermittent. So if you leave it a week or two weeks or a month, the, as we've seen, the whole world can change within the space yeah. of a couple of days. So actually, I think there's there's a real reassurance around having a regular cascade of information from leadership into the business, but also in terms of team interactions, you know, we've gone from having a monthly team meeting to having weekly team meetings and in some instances twice a week, again, depending on what's happening. And I think we're, we're quite fortunate because we're a European operation, we're quite used to a lot of the digital tools. So, you know, we have, we have BlueJeans as standard. We've started using Microsoft Teams a lot more because that's that's the way that we tend to organize our work. And now having the, the chat facility there has, uh, has been really good. So I, I think that the, the, the mm. tool matters less than how you're using it. And, and just making sure that the, the fact that we've got all these facilities means that we have to think more about how we communicate, when we communicate. And, and I think that that cadence has really helped. But certainly from the point of view of working from home, mm. we, we've had you know, a few a few challenges in terms of trying to get things set up. Particularly, we have a, a call center within our, our Luton head office, and uh, getting the best part of a hundred people to now be able to operate fully remotely, but still be interconnected into the system and be able to deliver an ongoing service has been a real feat. So, I mean, our IT guys have done a fantastic job, and our business continuity team have done really well at just making sure that we had everything in place before we needed it, and that everything's been really smoothly handled. So. I think I've been I've been struck time and time again, obviously from a marketing team, but across the, the electrolytes business in the UK, the professionalism of people as we've gone through the change and the understanding has just been it's been incredible. It's been incredible to watch. Hmm. We found the same. We talked about that last week in the podcast, didn't we? Just the reaction, the way that the team have kind of reacted and behaved and taken on board the changes that we've had to make. It is it's quite um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Humbling. There we go. When we talked the other day, Chris, you mentioned an interesting thing, and I don't want to mention names, but I think the principle was right about the phrase that you keep hearing, and it's now, you know, one of these phrases you hear, the the phrase three to six months. Mm. And you had a challenge with that yeah, phrase it's, being used, and, and, and I just thought that was interesting, if you wouldn't mind expanding on yeah, that. Yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, we... We get a lot of chat about the new normal and there's a lot of generalization in terms of the language around this. And one one particular uh, agency that I was dealing with was talking about things in, in terms of three to six months. And my point to them was that there's a big difference between three months and six months when you've got no income and the, the market is basically frozen. You know, the, the difference between three months and six months is being in business or not being in business. 
we could weather the storm quite happily, I'm sure, for for three months. But when you start going beyond that, it starts to ask much bigger questions. And you know, we're a we're a major corporation, so there's lots of businesses where they they won't have that safety net. You know, at the moment, cash is king, and, and there's very little going around. So when when people kind of generalise, oh, it's three six months. It's like no, actually, we need to be a bit more accurate than that because six months down the line, if we're still in this situation, it becomes cataclysmic. And I think that there'll be a lot of pressure on government. I'm sure there already is from uh, from uh, the CBI and other organisations to really look at the trade-off between what is a horrible situation with people's health versus uh, a systemic potential issue with the economy. And the pressure will come on about how quickly they can start to go through that restart of the economy, how quickly they can start to switch areas of it back on just to get things moving. So it's I, I think, you know, we have... There's a lot of flippancy with language sometimes and people don't necessarily think about it, but it's at the moment, every day is costing money. So when we talk in general mm. terms about months, that's that's a flippancy too far for me. I agree. Given you guys operate, you have a portfolio of brands and, you know, uh, that, are, that operate at different levels and, and, and different price points, which do you think will do particularly well when we come out of this? Do you think that, I mean, we've got a particular favourite, uh, the Zanussi brand that we've done some work on, and it seems to be, it was doing well before this all came out of left field. Do you think that will gain quite a lot of traction at the back end? Do you think it's well positioned to do so? Oh, I would love it to. I would love it to, because I think there's so much more that we could do with the brand. And I, we've obviously got some great products coming down the line them as well which we've, we've had to postpone the, the launch unfortunately which is probably now going to be 2021 i mean across the AEG and Zanussi, you look at it and at the moment in in sort of binary terms everyone within the the white goods industry is really pushing towards the low end so it's prices price is all important at the moment which obviously favors Zanussi because although it's not cheap it's it's a value brand um, so it's probably slightly better positioned at the same time we are still on TV with AAG. You know, I, again, not to keep referencing Mark Ritson, but you know, when he does talk about the the benefit of promoting your brand or, or keeping your brand present within phases when the, the economy is not doing well, uh, it tends that they bounce back stronger uh, and increase their you know, increase the benefit when, when we Each come back year. on yeah. track. So the fact that we're still live with that and that we're still investing in that brand, you would hope that. Once we get back into a more normal cadence of retail, then it will benefit from uh, from recognition. But it's it's also more expensive, so it's probably not the thing that people are looking to invest in at the moment. So I, I think there's, there's kind of a trade off, and I think the whole aspect of where we are at the moment is you know we have these defined strategies. We've got a five year strategy in the business, year on year we've got a fully mapped out plan. All of that went out the window, and it's really that switch into tactical opportunities. So really now it's about trading where we can, and it's about taking advantage of opportunities to keep the brand front of mind. Really over the course of the next four, five months, it will be about making sure that people understand and are reminded of the fact that we're in market and available for them to buy and that we're there for them when they need to repair any appliances that they have from our brands as well. So it's it's really... It's going to be very difficult to judge how you can springboard out of this current situation onto bigger and better things. But if we can continue the momentum that we had with AAG prior to what, what has been going on, then we'll be in really good shape. Because we've we've continually been taking share and we've been 
We've been driving the brand in the right way. We've got new investment in brand campaigns, which is going to come through later this year as well. So there's a, there's a lot of exciting stuff that we've got planned and a lot of great products that we have to sell. It's just whether the opportunities will be there when we come out of this. Because the, the challenging thing for you, because again, this is something we were talking about the other day, Chris, and I've seen it a few times since we chatted, was that the you start, everybody's now in the fortune telling oh. business. And go, and now telling us what's going to be happening in in three to six months. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things I saw was I can't remember the report. I'll put it in the show notes. And but the report was basically about how the home was now going. You were going to see a lot of people spending a lot of money on their home now because they realised that's the the epicenter of their life, and they'll be scared that this is going to happen again. So a lot of investment will go into the home, which would benefit AG. At the same time, you, you could then just maybe click two clicks down on Google, far out another report that says that because we've been stuck in the house for maybe up to three months, that actually it's going to be garden furniture ahoy. It's going to be the outside experience. It's, it's actually the home is going to be a refuge, but not the place to live. And and there'll be more people going outside. And it must be tricky for a for well, your brand and all brands, and to kind of keep that agility to kind of go and write what is because who the fuck, who knows? I mean, yeah, who absolutely. knows? Uh, it's knows. a really good point. I mean, I, I'm sure, like you, uh, I'm out for my once a day run uh, as mandated by government, and I, I just see lots of people <laughs> out in the garden. I see them painting stuff. You know, we're redecorating the, the garage to make it into a home gym. But the the aspect of human nature that I'm I'm interested in, you know, people talk about the new normal. The aspect of human behaviour I think is most prevalent is the idea of like if someone goes through a traumatic incident, you know, a health incident, for example, the first thing that they think of is when can I get back to normal? And this feels like because it's kind of a traumatic experience we're going through, the idea that you know we're we're all driving towards normality. So at the moment, there's lots of opportunity for home improvements and stuff like that. We're hopeful that people who are deferring having a new kitchen installed with other new appliances, that that will all come back on stream. But this sense of trying to get back to normality actually means getting out of the house. I, I don't want to be in the house. I want to be out and I want to be back with my friends and my family. You know, is there going to be a, a surge in late year holidays? You know, are people going to be flocking to the cinema? You know, it's trying to imagine what people will do to release this pent up frustration at being at home rather than thinking, oh, well, I hate my kitchen, so I really like to spend a lot of money on that. They might just think, well, I'm so sick of being in this house, I'm going to spend the kitchen money on a holiday and I'm going to go to Tahiti. So it's difficult to second guess, but it is this sense of, I don't think that we're seeing this amazing trajectory towards a kinder, gentler, more humane society and everything's going to change. I think it's going to snap back like an elastic band and everyone wants to go back to a sense of normality. When can I get in touching distance of life as it was before? And that will be the emotional reconnection once they get through this phase. So I I think that to, to your point, you know, you get a lot of data coming out of consultants that we're a big fan of, as you know, uh, and other, other people where it's kind of looking backwards and it's actually not thinking in a forward direction. You know, There's not a lot of vision about what's going to happen other than people saying, ooh, it's all going to change, which I, I honestly, I don't believe there's going to be seismic change in society because there generally doesn't tend to be. And I think that the, the opportunities are going to come in this kind of third phase. And once we go through the trauma, 
we get into this phased restart and then that drive to normality, that's when the opportunities will present themselves. But it may be that the main opportunities are going to be about event-based marketing or it's going to be about being in media, which has been essentially locked down for the last however many months by the time we get to that stage, you know, because nobody's making cinema, nobody's making TV programs at the moment because they can't. So there's a pent-up demand to get back into that sort of mind frame. Mm -hmm. So should we be doing more cinema advertising? You know, that these are the sorts of innovations that you're looking for when, when you're talking about where we're going to be beyond the current state. And I don't think there's a lot of that. There's lots of people going through the numbers and looking at, you know, how long it's going to go on for. It's like, you know, it's it's going to be a finite amount of time because there'll be an economic imperative to move us beyond this. So once we get into hmm. that phase of returning to a sense of normality, what's going to be the outpouring? What's going to be the emotional expression people will have in market where you can make yourself relevant? These are the things that are just turning through my mind because I've got some ideas, but I don't have all the answers. And I think that's the area that we as a team within Electrolux are trying to turn our heads to because those are the those are the places where we can drive relevance, which is you know what we what we need to do as a brand. We need to make ourselves known. Uh, we need to drive a, a sense of relevance for consumers. I wanted to ask Chris a different question. Remember with Zanussi, and this is back to another Matt Ritson thing, which <laughs> this is not a show-paying homage it's to Matt Ritson, Mark but Ritson it's some of, the, some of the teaching. It's usually David Baker, to be fair, so at least we're giving Mark Ritson a bit of airtime this time. And it was about the work that we, that we all did on Zanussi and that you championed in your organisation. And it was primarily about the yellow. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I and it, it, it's back to the the point that Maritza makes about you know one of the first things that brands need to take care of is when they communicate to to their customers is firstly, do you know that it's me? Do you know that it's this brand first off? And that's a fairly blunt instrument that you can use. And the yellow is it work, goes a, a long way in your category to make sure that people know. This is an issue. And you made a point when we were chatting a while ago, right? That is, some people can conflate the AEG brand with some of the other higher end German brands. But the great thing about Zanussi is that it's yellow and no one mistakes that for anything else. And, and you, had to, you had to fight for that within your organization yeah. for various reasons. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because is it, we, 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 in this, in what we do here and what we talk about, it's all agency focused, but I'm intrigued about how the, the, the machinations and how the mechanics of that work on the client side. I, I love the work on Zanussi. I think it's it's probably some of the best brand work I've been involved in in my career, in all honesty. I think the, the simplicity of the idea and the execution were great. The fact that we've got a really good brand to play with as well is, is wonderful because it's you, know, you still get people who are in their 30s resonating back to periods when we were talking about the appliance of science. You know, that... It's, if anything, it's a case study in the fact that if you invest and build a great brand over time, it, it lingers, it stays around. You know, our, our awareness scores and our preference scores on the Zenity brand are still really, really high. And we have not spent anywhere near as much money on that as we have with our A brands over the last you know, 10, 20 years almost. So, so being given the opportunity to to kind of breathe a bit of life back into it, I think was great. It was it was because the, the work that was being done originally on the brand wasn't good enough and it, it didn't reflect the stature of the brand, certainly within the UK, where it's still, uh, 
that's still very strong. So we, we grabbed hold of that and we, we asked for an opportunity on a very minimal budget to come to or to bring something to the table that was a bit different and reflective of what it should be and just bloody good work. And, and I, I think having worked with you guys and, and obviously... You know, Darren got hold of it by the scruff of the neck and he, he just started to, to deliver real simplicity around the language, about the colour, just the way that we started to, to turn the brand around without doing anything radical. We didn't add new elements. We changed the font slightly. But all of that was mm. reflected on the brand. So to be able to take that simple platform and then you know, immediately across all my European colleagues, as soon as they saw it, they're like, that's great. We love it. What are we going to do with it? And we, as is the nature of, of larger corporations, there's a lot of stakeholders and there's lots of people who would wish to have input into these sorts of decisions because obviously it's, it, you know, the, the brand is a big business across Europe, not just in the UK. So we were, we were fortunate to be given the opportunity and I think that we did a, a good job of managing expectations and, and managing the process through where we did come up against some opposition on things like colour and keeping it really super simple. We, uh, we, we went to the consumer and we asked them. We got consumer groups to come back and feedback into it. And you know, there were positives and negatives of the, the original approach. So with some mild tweaks, we were able to keep the fundamentals, but also be able to offer slightly dialed down approaches for where it was necessary. Because you know, ultimately, across kitchen studios and electrical retail, it's, it's different consumers and different requirements to communicate, communicate to those consumers. So we working with you guys and just being able to dial up and dial down how dramatic we wanted it to be was great. So we've got that as a as a toolkit. But generally, from a UK perspective, when we are going out with communications about Zerusik, we want it to be as bold as possible. So having stuff which is bright, bright yellow, it is, to your point, unmissable. You know, people know exactly who it is. But the thing that I think really was the the moment of, of the sort of moment of clarity around the the work was around the language because it was bringing that irreverence back to Zunusi and having a bit more tongue in cheek and adding that element of humor into it which has a degree of appeal to the consumers we're talking to because they're they're not fancy dance they don't want to spend a fortune on kitchens in the house they're looking for really functional stuff but they in terms of the way that we communicate with them bringing that element of humor back into it as well as the boldness of the communication i think is what will stand us in good stead over the course of the next three to five years as we try and ramp up our spend on that and really invest both in the product but also the brand as well great amen to that should we finish with by asking chris to name a date where he thinks the pubs will reopen oh sweepstake so we're running a sweepstake in the office about it's not been started yet but it will be about the date that pubs are going to reopen in the uk or scotland i don't know or both but have a stab um yeah that's kind of a tough one so i think that the the trauma phase that we're going through is going to be wrapped up by june uh, I think we're going to go through the phasing of the restart from June to October. And I think from October through into next year, we'll start getting back to a sense of the normal. So I would uh, I would hesitantly say that uh, 1st of September, we'll be able to go out for a pint. Wow. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wow. wrong. I'm, 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 I'm my, I mean, my, my heart rate has gone up just thinking about it because, because I'm going to end up... <laughs> Killing, killing somebody. I know. I do think you're right. That what you were talking about, Chris, when you were saying, you know, there's all all these 
folk that are making fucking mad proclamations about how we're going to become a, such a nice, kind human race and we're all going yeah. to find, you know, new ways to spend. It's like, we were talking about it at the weekend. It's like, what I, what, are the, what are you going to do when we're not in lockdown? I'm like, I'm going to go out for dinner and see my pals and my family. I'm going to fucking go on holiday. And I'm going to go back to work and do the same and go to the gym. The things that you spent my time, enjoyed my time, spending my time on before lockdown, I'm going to go back and do Listen, exactly the same thing I'm, after. I'm astonished that Chris has gone for so late. I'm going trumping on it. I'm going like May, if June latest. I haven't gone home drunk on a train and been sick in a toilet for months. <laughs> you've been sick in a toilet, it's just not, not after you've come home on a train. Uh, it's the train, it's the train, you know, the, the, the panic, will this door open? That's what I live for. <laughs> well, Scott, yeah. I had heartburn last night when I was drinking a glass of wine. I was like, I've been drinking so much, I'm now getting heartburn when I drink. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Drastic times. I'm going for. I'm. I'm going end of June. I'm going optimistic. I think end of June, beginning of July, will be in the pub. I. I, I think it. Be, I think schools opening is going to be the big thing. So that's and that's interesting because that is that flip between schools are not pubs uh, Scotland, schools England. Schools are not pubs. No, but I think that's one of the. That'll be one of the big lines in the sands. And and you've obviously not been to the same school <laughs> I went to. Um, but as I think, I think. Um, <laughs> Because that's the thing that starts life again. The, the new school year, I think it'll be around about then that things will start to get. Because they're not wanting people oh, to go on holiday. God. Oh, God. I, I mean, no, but I think they'll still have. They can still have restrictions on travel when you have cafes and restaurants and pubs opened. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, 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 can we draw this Because there's not. There aren't going to be any. There aren't going to be any cafes and restaurants and pubs left to open if you leave it until I'm going to hang a noose up in That's the garage That's your point about when does the economic impact become too severe to allow it to continue that you need to then offset it against the health But the impact. economic the economic thing is also and this is the thing that nobody, nobody knows is how do people feel about going into restaurants that will probably feel half empty because they're not allowed the full amount of seats Yeah Does that mean I get my dinner quicker? Yeah, probably. It'll probably cost you twice as much as well. Well, that's what they're doing in Sweden, isn't it? They've got they've they're obviously they're not in lockdown, but they've got a certain they have like I don't know if it's forced or if it's restaurants that are choosing to do it. Restaurants and cafes are operating at about fifty percent capacity, so they've still got restrictions in place in terms of how I don't think it's two metres, it's like sitting at every other table yeah. and things like that mm. that's what they're doing, I'm sure yeah, that there was a The Swedes have taken a very laissez-faire attitude to so, it, but actually it's um, I, I suppose you, you look at cultural distinctions within this as well because you know the the French bless them, and I, I don't wish to stereotype horribly, but you know the French are less accepting of government <laughs> edict whereas the Germans will follow it to the letter, I think the, the, the Swedes mm. are uh, very pragmatic and you know social distancing is kind of a cultural thing there as much as a as much as a, a government diktat so I, I think they, they've kind of embraced the principles of trying to keep distant but trying to keep the economy ticking over which you know they're uh, they're a bit more bullish about the the health impact and the number of people that are necessarily going to die. But then you mm. look at their death rates and actually they're, they're not climbing radically. So it may be they've mm. made a different decision and they've got it right. But it's partly because the, in, in a cultural sense, the people respond to things in a different way. Whereas if you a different way, yeah. Glasgow or Stirling, uh, you know, people aren't really paying, or certain demographic groups are not paying attention at all to the idea of social distancing. Mm. 
I can't lick anybody in the co-op anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're totally the stopped that. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in the spa, yeah, though, it's all right. It's not, not a co-op. I have to say, I'm finishing this podcast depressed. I'm away to get hang a noose up in the garage. September. Oh. the opportunity. This is a, a moment for you to be, uh-huh. be present, enjoy and embrace your home life and your family. Get fit. Get rid of that gut you've been dragging around. Shave your head. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking about? Me? Oh, right. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of self-reflection. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been doing it every day in some capacity. Brilliant. It's beautiful. Beautiful, man. Thanks, Thank Chris. You. Thanks, you, folks. Julie. Big deal. Nice to see you too, Chris. Take care. See you soon. That was really interesting. I thought it was great to get our client's perspective and talk about all these things. So thanks, Chris. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's always good to understand what they're thinking about from their side because we're always focused on our side, aren't we? Yeah, indeed. So, And it's not our interpretation of what clients are telling us either. It's straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So, yeah, I thought it was... Hopefully everyone else enjoyed it too. I think what would be good is to get Chris back on at say the beginning of next year and just say and play bits back and just prove how wrong What's he was. Tr- on, that's on true actually. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be up for that. I was going to say do a yeah, bit of an update. Say, a what was this about September? What are you talking update. about? And do things like that. We could just play it back and humiliate him on the internet. Or alternatively Stuart he might be right in every case in which we'll have to pay homage to him and doff our caps. To which I would absolutely be delighted to do so. No, apart from the September bit. It's way wrong about that. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Let's hope so. All right, guys. Okay. Is that uh, us? Yeah, well, nice one. Yeah, that's us. See you later. See you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>